And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, Returning champion today, Billy Guerin. Second time on Straight from the Source. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? Good, good. Man, the last time uh, we did this, we were live at the Bell Center in the stands watching a morning skate. You think about how long ago that that was. That was pretty much the beginning of your first year as the Wild GM. Um, what are some of the things that you learned this year? Because uh, it was not your normal first year as a wild GM when you have a global pandemic that you've got to navigate through as well. Uh, yeah, uh, that's for sure. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I, I, I didn't really expect uh, a lot of things that happened to happen, but, you know, I, I, I learned a lot. And I think the biggest thing was, is that you have to have patience um, to do this job and that things can come up unexpectedly and you just, you have to deal with it. And I, I think if, if you're in a position of leadership, the way that you handle something uh, will, will kind of trickle down. So if you, you know, if you, if you panic or make rash decisions or, you know, do things like that, it'll, it'll trickle down and it'll just create a, a poor environment. So, you know, you just work through things and um, you know, you just, Try to handle handle things as they come. Do you um you know the the one thing when you're a player you probably are sitting in that locker room you expect you know whatever decision management can make to be slightly easy. Um, when you're a GM, how how tough is it sometimes to you know maybe want to do everything at once and realize that patience is as you mentioned needed. That after one bad game by a player, you can't just trade them. Um, you know, and and, and all that type of stuff. 
Yeah. And you know what? The game's emotional for everybody. And, and you really have to defend against yourself, uh, you know, in, in doing that. So, so you don't make a mistake. Um, yeah. As a player, you sit there and you think, or, you know, I know a lot of guys do that GMs just sit behind their desk and try to make trades all day. <laughs> and, you know, and then they can, well, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? It's kind of like when, you know, when you're on the power play and fans are yelling, shoot, well, it's not that easy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so you, you have to, uh, you know, you, you have to be prepared, you have to be organized and you have to move, um, you know, with a purpose and, and you can't just do things just because you feel like doing them. And, and the other side of that is you, you need a, you need a partner, you know, you can't make trades or, or, you know, move your, move around your, your lineup w- without somebody else that's looking to do the same thing with somebody that you want that fits into your salary cap. And every decision you make has about 10 repercussions, right? I mean, that's the thing is, is that, you know, you can't just wake up one day and say, all right, I'm going to trade this guy when it's going to affect about 14 different things down the road. I mean, that, that's the yeah, one thing people yeah. I think also don't remember realize. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. You have to, you have to be thorough. You have to be organized. You have to know, you have to go through all those things and be prepared for them. Um, and, and like I said, it's not just trading a player and bringing a new player in there. There's, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different effects that, that, that one move can make and you have to think of everything. Talking with Billy Guerin, the Wild GM, uh, coming to you from the, uh, let's see, Carolina and Boston are in the beginning of the first overtime. Uh, one of one of Billy Guerin's former teams, the Boston Bruins, uh, scored 40 goals. Uh, do you know, by the way, Billy, who is the only NHL player in history to score a hat-trick with six different teams? I think I am. Yes. Can you name yeah. those teams? <laughs> um, I can. Um, New Jersey, Edmonton. Boston, Dallas, um, St. Louis, San Jose. There you go. And that, so, by the way, wasn't St. Louis and San Jose the same season? The same season. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that I, the, the hat trick that I scored with St. Louis was against San Jose. <laughs> that is cool. That's just saying, all right, great. Thanks for letting me go. Now back at you. Um, we're talking about Billy Guerin, uh, the wild GM, B- Billy, let me ask you a question. Like I was just writing out your depth chart that I do for fans, you know, before every single off season. And usually I do it almost to bring clarity to the fans, uh, to make it pretty obvious, but this is the one off season where things are extremely unclear, even to me, because you, you have so much that you could potentially do, whether it's addressing the goaltending, addressing centers, buying out players, trading players, re-signing players, um, is this even for you when you look at the depth chart uh pretty unclear to you exactly what this team could look like next season yeah it is i mean and like like i said because you need a you need you know a partner in a lot of these things so if even if there is a move that we want to do you know we might not be able to do it um but we're gonna have to you know we're gonna have to try to to mix things up a little bit here uh, this off season, what, the amount of things that we're going to try to do or be able to do is, is still up in the air. We'll, we'll see, but, um, 
yeah, it's there, there's some possibilities. Um, you watched, uh, you were part of the first uh, draft lottery that you were part of the other day. Um, it came at the exact same time that Kirill Kaprizov was landing in the Twin Cities, so you had to make a determination who went and picked him up at the airport. You chose Dean. Uh, was was that uncomfortable? You've waited so long for Kaprizov to come, and you were you actually couldn't uh, be the one that he first greeted him at the airport? No, it was fine. I mean, this is a pretty big deal, too, so I... <laughs> you know, I think it's good that him and Dean got to meet right away and, and kind of hit it off. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, I think it worked out great. You know, Kirill and I had, you know, met in person and, uh, you know, talked through texts and things like that. So I, I think we, our relationship was already underway. So I think it was good for Dean. And you uh, obviously met him over at the hotel before he began his quarantine. And, and how long will that last? And then what's your goals uh, with him once he uh, is able to kind of escape that quarantine? Well, right now we're, we're kind of looking at the, you know, pretty much quarantine. Uh, I mean, almost as long as he's going to be here. But, um, you know, it's just good to, to be able to contact with him, like get, get contact with him easier and things like that. But um you know, we're, we're, we're just happy that he's in town and being able to kind of, you know, get a feel for it anyways. You know, we got him a physical and things like that. And we're going to try to check a, check a few boxes with him. Right. And then obviously, uh, I mean, big thing is to try to show him not only the practice facility, but the area, maybe give him some suggestions on where he's going to want to live, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I think he's, he's, um, you know, and just kind of, coming from the airport to here and, and just seeing a very little bit of it. He's really happy and comfortable. I know he likes the outdoors and um, you know, I mean, he's from Siberia, so there's, there's a lot of outdoors to deal with out there. Um, but he likes it, you know, the fishing and outdoors life. And, you know, I, I think he's uh, he's going to be very comfortable here and his English. I tell you what, Mike, his English is, you know, I said in my interviews before that it's better than he gives himself credit for it was better mm-hmm. than I was giving him credit for it. This kid, I mean, he's his English is excellent. Like he's he's uh, you know, I mean, he misses a couple words here and there, but it's it's very good. And he's got a, you know, everybody after meeting him for the first time, they're like, wow, what a great kid, what a great personality. And he's mm-hmm. TK said this morning, he goes, that's a happy kid, and <laughs> and that's 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 pretty cool. That's awesome. He's got to be excited that he's uh, going to be starting his uh, his his day, his NHL career next year. I know it's been a long time coming uh, for Wild fans as well. Um, Billy, what was the experience like? What was uh, what was your experience like uh, on the draft lottery the other day? Uh, it's your first experience of that, and then to see the sort of the buzzkill of the Rangers uh, winning the lottery really again for the second year in a row. Yeah, I mean it was it was a it was a cool experience. Um, I will be honest with you, like my 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 heart started racing. Um, I just I felt like we were gonna get lucky, and you know, hey, that, that's the way it goes. It's pure luck. We're we're picking at number nine, and we're gonna get a really good player. So I'm excited about that pick right there, and um, you know, that's just the way it works out. But I, I'm excited to be picking where we are. Um, the, would you, you know, at that position, do you, you've said, you know, pretty clear the other day that if this team is going to probably acquire a number one center at some point, it's going to be at, you know, in the draft. Do, do you look at that as 
now for the first time when a lot of GMs like to say, hey, we picked the best player available, that this might be a draft where you actually look to go for need or, or no? It, you know what? It, you know, it, it could be. Yeah, it could be. It, it depends on on uh, who's still on the board and, um, you know, what uh, and, and who's available and what position they are. But, you know, I, I tend to believe you pick the best player. But in this case, um, you know, we might we might end up picking by position if uh, if it's somebody that we really like. You know, if if two players are kind of created equal, then we'll then we'll pick by position. And uh, I mean, have, did you already talk with Judd Brackett about that nine pick? Have you had those type of meetings already? You know what? I haven't talked to Judd in a little while. Just Matt Sells has been kind of uh, going back and forth with him. And uh, I've been focused on, you know, getting to the bubble and a lot of other logistical stuff, um, you know, before and during that. So uh, we're, we're going to focus in on that coming up real soon here. And Matt Sells, uh, uh, the director of hockey analytics for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, let's talk about the the playoff series um, with the Vancouver Canucks, Billy. And and also, I do have a bunch of Twitter questions from you that I'll I'll uh, try to run through some of them. Um, I guess your first reaction. I mean, the disappointment of just winning Game One so decisively, and then never sort of reestablishing um, that that type of uh, demeanor in in the playoff series. First of all, do you agree with that? And two, was it disappointing for you? Yeah, I mean it's disappointing. We, I mean, I, I thought we could have won. Um, I, I think after such a, a decisive win in Game One, we we kind of took our foot off the gas, but not not in effort. I think everybody played really hard. They sacrificed, but we didn't. We weren't disciplined enough. We weren't. Uh, we could. We didn't control our emotions enough, and that that was that was disappointing. But you know, as for effort and like gamesmanship and things like that you know i've got no issues with what went on i mean our, our guys played hard it's just a matter of uh being better at the uh the game within the game and uh that that's kind of what what got us in in the end you know you know obviously when you're when you're in the media and when you're fans that have been here for a long time you, you're ten you tend to look at a a decision like that as almost a continuation of the last three or four playoff disappointments as a GM that's new though how do you weigh that that this is something that has happened before with this organization versus the fact that this was such an oddity <laughs> you know going to a bubble playing uh, for the first time in five months playing with, without fans there um, how do you sort of weigh that you know what to make of this whole thing well that that's kind of the thing that like, I've got to figure out like what what's the issue you know why mm -hmm. why have we been falling short the teams are good um, the guys play hard, but there's something, uh, rooted here that is, that's not working and it's not just trading players and, you know, changing the GM and things like that. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's something in the, in the way that we operate every day. It's something in the culture and we need to change it. Mm -hmm. And is that part of the exit meetings that you've had and will have with players is trying to unearth what that is, or even having come to Jesus meetings with some of these players and say, look, that's hundred be percent. Yeah. hundred percent to like, there are some guys that played, played great. Some guys that played, uh, you know, not as well, but Hey, to a man, everybody's got to be better. Like to a man, yeah. like we just lost three in a row and it, it knocked us out of the playoffs. So everybody has to be better. And there are some guys who really have to apply themselves a lot more. Um, 
you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, I, I, I don't want to lie to the players and tell them they did great when they didn't do great as individuals. That's, that's not going to get, that's not going to help anybody. And, you know, and doing things like this or doing my press conference, like I'm, I'm maybe a little more open or honest, but this is a pretty knowledgeable fan base. And if I came out after that and said that, you know, everything's great, the guys are great and this was great. People know I'm lying and I can't do that. And I don't want to do that. It doesn't, it doesn't help. So, so yeah, if, if, if we were on, if we were unhappy with somebody, they know it. And you know, and on the flip side, if we were happy with them, they do know it. Yeah. As well. And is that, is that part of the, what you learn from working with Jim Rutherford? I mean, there, he's he's pretty much an open book. Uh, he's as, yeah. as accessible a GM as there is, and, and he certainly will let you know if he's not happy. Yeah, there's, you know what, there, there's, yeah, there's something to be said for that, and I respect that about Jim. I, I think, you know, you, you can't really sugarcoat things if, if you know, if you want to get things done. I mean, I think there's a way to do it and being honest with guys and, I guess there, there's a look, there's a line you can't cross and you don't want mm-hmm. to cross. But I also think like, I think I owe it to myself and to the people that I'm speaking to and, and to the players to just be honest, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, there, there are things that I won't tell you, but um, you know, if, if fans are watching the games and if they see a guy that's that didn't play well, and I say, "Oh no, everything's great. We're happy with him," they're gonna be like, "This this guy's this guy doesn't know what he's doing." Well, it's funny when I when I covered Florida, Billy. I mean, that was the way Terry Murray was. He would he would call players out and and all sorts of things like that. And and I remember asking him about that once. And he said, "You know what? I'm not gonna insult your intelligence. You're seeing what I'm seeing. If you're asking me the question, you obviously know it. I'm not yeah. gonna tell you the guy's great. I mean, it's it's sort of the similar circumstance there. And 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 this is coming from a former player from you. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? I I just think there's a way to do it. And mm-hmm. you know, you don't wanna you don't wanna you know you don't you you just don't want to like kill a guy over. You know what I mean? You got to be yeah. so. You got to try to be respectful, and he knows he's not playing well. You know, he's he's the first guy to know it. But like, if I'm being asked the questions, and I have to be, then I have to be honest. If play, if you ask me how's player, you know, is player X doing well, and I say yes, but it's obviously that he's it's no, and then you know, I, I don't know. I, I have to. I just have to do it. Let me ask you, I mean, you know, and again, not to put you in a, in a tough spot, but, but we talked about goaltending a lot on your, on your uh, press conference the other day on the zoom. And I mean, this is, it, it really does feel like um, this is two years in a row where the analytics show that you guys defend really, really well, but the goaltending has let you down proof by t- uh, ranking 29th in the NHL this year in save percentage, <laughs> despite the fact giving up near the fewest high danger chances up, in the in the NHL how do you as a GM really rectify that because it seems like it really you know even though obviously Al needed to play better in game five I mean he's a quality backup um you know I'm sure you'd love him to stop the Chris Tanev goal but but he did his job for the most part this year well this is two years in a row that we've seen sort of Dubnik fall 
um, you know, statistically. How, how do you rectify that situation when you have this, you know, quality young goalie in the system, but none of us really know, can he do it at this level? Right. And we're going to have to get a bigger sample size from him at so, some point mm-hmm. in time. Um, you know, I, I know he had the five, seven games this year and, and played really well in his first couple and then tailed off a little bit, but you know, he's going to, he's sooner or later, he's going to have to get a, a big chunk of games. Um, yeah. And that, and that's tough. I mean, and like I said, like Doobie's the first one to know that he didn't have a good year. Um, you know, he had a lot of things going on, which you have to, you know, what you have to accept. And, you know, he, he, he just got off to a slow start and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to claw your way back in. Um, you know, and, and, and we talked about it and he knows it. He, like I said, the players are the first one to know, and then they're the first ones to admit it. Um, so, Hey, either, you know, he, he's going to have to be better or, or we, we have to do something about it. And then up the middle as well, Billy, I mean, that is one area where it just seems like, and I think you and I have talked about this a lot, it just seems like the real quality teams in this league really build up the middle and in goal. Um, how, how, much, how hard is that to rectify? Because this has been, you know, several GMs uh, in this market that have tried to improve this team up the middle, and so far it just, you know, continues to be at least outmanned in playoff series. Yeah, and I mean, hey, look uh... – everybody wants to be deep up the middle. I mean, our, our, we have good players in the middle. You, you look at some of the, the elite teams and that's where, you know, they're, they're really built strong and, and, um, you know, you know, it, it's, it's not easy to do. Like if you can find me a team that's going to trade their number one center, <laughs> uh, you know, just let me know. <laughs> um, that's why I say like, it's, if somebody's going to become a free agent, um, that's usually the way, or you have to draft him when he's 18 years old. Yeah. And that a lot of the times that's what it is. It's just, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to, to, to get. I mean, you look at the, the, you know, the centers out there, you know, Crosby drafted McDavid drafted, even guys like, like Barkov drafted, you know, Aho drafted yeah. all these guys. It's not, nobody's, Nobody's trading those guys. And yeah, I mean it's 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 really amazing. I mean, you look at uh, I think the only one I could think of in the last several years is Tyler Sagan and that was a you know, specific circumstance where it's felt like Boston felt like that he couldn't fit into their culture, but there's really not a whole lot that you can name yeah, uh in yeah. this league that that have ever been uh, uh traded. Yeah, but the good thing for us is that like a lot of our our scoring is is on the wing. And like in today's mm-hmm. game in my in my opinion, you have to have one guy on the line driving the offense, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and have good chemistry with the other guys. If you have like, you know, Fiala on a line, you know what, he has to have the puck a lot. Like if we have, you know, center's not played like it was back in the eighties and nineties where it's like a pure setup guy, you, but it's not played like that. Like, you know, you take Patrice Bergeron, he would have been drafted first overall. And he's not, he's not a McDavid. He's not a Crosby but he's mm-hmm. probably the best two-way guy, you know, in the game for the last number of years. And that's, you know, if you have scoring on the wing and you have a good, strong two-way guy that's good in his own end, he's reliable, all that stuff, like that, those are those are the guys. Like, it, it, just as long as you have one, at least one guy in the line kind of driving the offense in your top six anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, like Kevin, Kevin needs the puck all the time. 
you know, so if we have a center on that line that's need that needs the puck all the time, it doesn't work. Right. You know, so there are other ways to do it, but I mean, it, Hey, look, we'll, we'll see what happens in the draft this year and, and moving forward and see what happens in free agency. But we, we, we know that that's an area of concern. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, uh, with Kaprizov, a lot of people are wondering, obviously, where he's going to play in the lineup. Now, as we just talked about at the beginning of the show, none of us have any clue what this step chart is going to look like next year after you make all the moves that you potentially can make this offseason. If this is the lineup going into next year, can, can you see Fiala and Kaprizov playing on the same line at even strength or, or more so maybe just being on the power play together? Or I would probably versa? see them being on the power play together. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't, I can't tell you they might, yeah. Hey, if they click and they, they're able to play, uh, together and it just works too well not to have them out there together then then they'll play. But I, I mean, it would, it's going to give us a little bit more scoring depth too to have them on separate lines. Um, let me ask you a couple uh, more players about some individuals, and then we'll go to uh, Twitter questions. Uh, one is, um, you know, Ryan Donato. Uh, this has now been multiple coaches, multiple teams that he hasn't been able to find a consistent home up in the lineup. Now, he was put in, you know, he's in a position here where he's down in the depth chart just because of the additions of guys like uh, Fiala, Zuccarello, uh, players like that. But w what does he need to do to make sure that he can play consistently in a lineup, Billy? You know, I, I'll be honest with you, and that's a tough one. And, and you know, Ryan and I had a great talk the other day, and it's it's a tough one because we've asked him to play kind of a role, and he, you know, we took him out because we needed some more speed, like just flat out speed. And Nico gave gave him uh, gave the team that speed, and it I thought it worked well. But yeah, Ryan, I and I told Ryan flat out, I I really don't have a great uh, argument for why he doesn't get more ice time. He's he does have guys in front of him. Um, you know, with Kevin's game, you know, getting to uh, a, a different level, it, 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 you know, that made things more difficult. And there are guys that were, you know, paying a ton of money to, to produce for us on the power play and things like that. So it's it's uh, it, it's tough. And that's got to be the frustrating part. I mean, there is there's always a pecking order in pro sports like, you know, if you're like fans don't get this, but I mean, the reality is if that if Matt Zuccarello is here on the big contract, he's going to play against a, over a Ryan Donato. But for that, you know, with that said, I mean, Zuccarello has got to have a better year for you next year, right? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah. And he's the first guy to admit it. Um, and you know what? Maybe maybe it's shame on me because I shouldn't I shouldn't be looking at the numbers. I shouldn't be looking at the, the dollars It's whoever's going to produce for us. But, you know, when we're, you know, when we're in the, the thick of things in the season, you know, you look at certain guys and they were producing on the power play. You know, our power play was clicking pretty good. But, um, yeah, we need our best our best players to be our best players. And uh, we had some guys struggle. And uh, before I go to the Twitter questions, uh, Billy, um, just want to ask you about uh, guys like Greenway and Cunning. I mean, they were especially Greenway seemed to have a real disappointing series. How much does did these two especially need to take a next step next season? Well, Greeny, Greeny needs to take a big time step. I mean, and we, mm -hmm. we've talked about this and he knows it. He knows how I feel, but he needs to uh, he knows what's expected of him. Um, you know, he, he's got to be. He's got to have a more dedicated off season. He's got to dedicate himself to the game a lot more. And, and it's time for him to take a step in, in maturity and, 
and work ethic and preparation and all these things because, um, you know, he's important to us. His potential's through the roof. And, you know, we're, we're not one of these teams, too, that says, okay, here's what you do. Now go figure it out. No, we're going to help him. And, you know, we have guys like Brad Vomadier and Matt Hendricks that, that are, that are going to be, you know, front and center on this whole situation. And then, you know, with, with, with Luke Cunning, he's, uh, he's another guy, you know, he played, he played really well for us, scored a couple big goals, but needs to take another step, you know, step in, in, you know, in his play and his leadership. And he, he's a kid that can, you know, help change a game in a lot of different ways. And we need him to start doing that on a more consistent basis, but you know, the, the, the good, the foundations are there. It really just show it does show with Greenway that if if you if you don't come to camp ready, it's impossible to catch up, right? Yeah, it's impossible. No. Yep. Um, let me go to uh, some Twitter questions, Billy. Um, and again, you're listening to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. To subscribe to Straight from the Source, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Got a lot of Twitter questions. Um, I'm going to preface uh, all these Twitter questions to the people that asked them that just know that if you asked Billy about specific players in the NHL, um, I'm not going to be able to ask Billy that. I, I uh, hope you understand that I'm not going to put Billy in a position where he's fined a million bucks for tampering. He'll never come on the podcast again. Um <laughs> Uh, Billy, um, you know, uh, this is from Tony DeRose. He said, do you have milestones in like the next 90 days to that, that sort of like, here are the big improvements, uh, that I want to make, you know, by this time, by this time, by this time, or is that not how it would work? No, we don't really have it kind of, uh, laid out like that in the next 90 days. We're, we're going to do it. Hey, look, if we can do it all tomorrow, we'll do it. But <laughs> like, like I said, is, uh, you, you need you need a partner you know you need you need other people to um you know engage with uh you know if there's a trade that's going to take place um you know we, we're still waiting to see what exactly what the free agency date's going to be um but we're no we'll, we'll move uh you know we'll we'll move as as quickly as we have to and again it, it, you really have to project right as a gm in this situation yeah. like you, every trade you make determines you know you could if you make a trade for this player you might have to eventually get rid of this player because sure yeah. one roster but salary cap wise i mean you got extensions coming in the next year it's yeah it's a very complicated process yeah it does get it does get a little dicey and you just that that's the thing yeah you have to plan um you have to kind of map everything out because one you know whatever you do today affects what you can do tomorrow or you know, who you can have and all, all those different things. Yep. I was even thinking that like the other day, if you were lucky enough to get the number one overall pick, how that would have changed everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, eventually, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, that, that, yeah, it absolutely, it's crazy the way uh, things can change. Um, Mike Bergon asks, how much does the cap remaining flat the next two years play into the decisions to buy somebody out? Well, it, uh, quite a bit because you're stuck. It's just not going up. So the, the space that you might have planned on having in in a year, or two years, you're, you're just not going to have it. So um, you just don't want to. You just want to allow yourself as much flexibility as possible. Right. Uh, ben Gorman asks, uh, "What's it like talking to other GMs about the trade market right now, given the pandemic? Are negotiations taking place like normal, or is is it just completely uncertain because of uh, how this league is seems to be in a state of flux?" So, Mike, to answer that question, it, it's just 
honestly. I didn't. I, I don't think I had one trade talk. I spoke to a lot of GMs during the pandemic, like the first four months or whatever, but yeah, not a lot of trade talks at all. Like maybe two. Um, and I've have had a, lot, a couple the the last few days. I've had a couple guys call me, um, but nothing serious. Like it's just, you know, it's still early. I mean, we still have yeah. a couple months left of playoff hockey, so there's not, you know, the market's not really hundred percent open. Yeah, and if fans think of that normally, like if you're t- if this was April, May, June. In a normal postseason, there's almost never trades, so that's very right. uh, that's very very normal. What's going to be really interesting is the very truncated uh, off season that could eventually take place come October after the Stanley Cup Final. Um, Clint asks, uh, curious how far in advance uh, you start to strategically strategically plan for the Seattle expansion draft. I've got to think that you've been planning that for a year. Yeah, right? yeah, we've already started thinking about that. I mean, anytime anything comes up to it, it's kind of like, Oh, we want to make sure we have this. want to make sure we have that. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of always in the back of our mind. Uh, Ben asks, uh, with the possibility of college junior seasons, either being shortened, postponed or canceled, how does that affect your prospect pool? It's a great question. Uh, You have a guy like Adam Beckman that suddenly might be playing in the Western hockey league come mid December. You've just had to sign Ladney and uh, Hovenoff to KHL contracts to have, uh, for them to have places to play. Anybody else that that affects? Well, all everybody in college. Yeah. You know, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. So um, we were actually speaking to one, you know, uh, one of the, the, the college teams the other day and um, or Matt Hendricks was speaking to him and, and they don't know right now. And they're trying to come up with a plan. Like if they do cancel the season, if can they do a bubble type thing where they, where they can, you know, get their guys in and, and play some games or uh, at least like, you know, uh, kind of scrimmage against other schools and things. They don't know. They're trying to come up with ideas, but it is a, a scary thing to kind of think if, you know, if, if they do cancel the season that they miss a full year of development because you can't sign everybody. I mean, it's just you don't have the contracts and you don't want to do that because they're not ready. Um, so we're, they're going to be in a tough spot. We're going to be in a tough spot, all of us, the whole league. Uh, more with Billy Guerin in a minute, but uh, first a message from Indochino. Back with Billy Guerin uh, on Straight from the Source. Again, to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Uh, Billy, a couple questions uh, naturally on the draft. Um, you know that you're picking a ninth. The one thing we don't know yet, 100%, is uh, what Pittsburgh is going to do with the 15th pick. Um, you know, it's an interesting dilemma. I don't know if uh, Jim Rutherford's given you um, any indication, but if he does not give you the 15th pick, now suddenly, if you know, in this un- unheard of world, if things fell apart for them next year and they happen to not make the playoffs and win the lottery. It's not lottery protected next year. So what's your gut on what he's going to do? You know what? I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's tough for me to guess this, uh, you know, and I, I really don't want to, I, I don't want to speculate on what, on what they're going to do. Um, hey, it's, it's the deal that was made. So whatever, whatever Jim decides upon is, is good with me. Right. Um, how deep do you consider that this is from Dylan, uh, the top tier prospects in this year's draft? So at number nine, um, do you do you feel like you're just going to get a really good player or would you even want to maybe uh, trade down in that type of situation or even trade up? No, I think we're going to get a really good player. I, I you know, whether we're going to move up or down or whatever, I can't tell you that yet. 
but um, at number nine, I'm confident we're going to get a re- very good player. It's it's a it's a good draft. It's a good first round, very good first round, and I'm excited about number nine. Um, Billy, I know that we, you and I have talked before about how you really feel like it is incumbent upon you to give the scouts uh, the ability, the leeway to make the, the, a lot of decisions. Um, so Derek asks, um, how much control does D- Judd Brackett have over the draft? Is he going to have final say or will it be Billy? Yeah, you know what, Judd? Judd's in charge of that department. Um, he's the expert in that, not me. Um, you know what, I'll, I'll, I believe in collaborating with, with uh, all, all the guys in our scouting departments and, and, you know, just wanting, I I need to know what's going on and what they're thinking. If I have an idea, I'll let them know. But in the end, this is going to be Judd's call. Right. Uh, A couple more minutes with uh, Billy Guerin. We are having some technical difficulties, so we're probably going to wrap this uh, up pretty short here. Um, Let's see. I got more questions on uh, goaltending. Actually, that's a good question. There are a lot of people that are saying that at number nine, there could be a potential franchise goalie there. Um, how do you de- how do you determine in your own mind? Uh, all right, you already have Hunter Jones in the organization. You have Capo Kakening. You have Matt Robson. Whether or not you actually would take another goalie in that situation, do you have thoughts on whether or not you take should take a goalie as high as number nine? Yeah, I mean, we'd have to have a serious discussion about that because I mean, you just named off our our you know all of our goalie prospects, and they're mm-hmm. they're really good. And do we need to do that? You know. Um, and who's, who's, who's still on the table, you know, who's still left on the draft board. And, and, you know, that's just one of those things that, you know, if, if Askarov is still available, you know, we're, we're going to have to have a serious discussion in a short amount of time. Right. Um, Josh talk, uh, has questions about starting Kakinen over, uh, uh, or starting Stalock over Kakinen in the playoffs. If that's something that you do regret, or if this was uh, not something that was ever really in the cards. No, I don't regret that at all. I mean, we we talked about every different possibility, but Al Al played so well for us uh, coming down the stretch, and you know he had his best year ever. And the guys play hard for him that that he he earned that. He he competed hard and he earned it. So um, no, and I thought you know what, we did not lose because of Al Stalock. I can tell you that he he battled his ass off and and played very well for us and. Um, you know, it just it. We did not lose because of Al Stalock, so I'm very comfortable, and and I'd make the same decision again. Uh, Aaron Heckman, an aspiring uh, sports writer, asks, uh, "Who is your biggest mentor that helped you to get to where you are today?" Uh, my biggest mentor, uh, you know what? I, I guess you know, I get, in management, does it specify or no, no? Like you know what? I've I've had a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my father helped me out a lot, uh, you know, during my childhood and my career and things like that. And just trying to be a good person. And I think you, they my parents raised me right. Um, there was a guy back in, in Springfield, Massachusetts, that was my, my coach uh, growing up, Gary Deneen. And he taught me a lot about the game and, you know, just being a good character player. Uh, things like that. And then on the other side, you know, I had some great mentors in Ray Shiro and Jim Rutherford, Mm -hmm. guys like that. So uh, Randy Sexton was a guy that helped me out a lot. He was, uh, you know, two-time GM with um, Ottawa and Florida and just got let go from Buffalo, but he's a, he's a very good friend. And so I've had a lot of mentors uh, help me out along the way. 
Now that Aaron uh, buttered you up, he wants to know, uh, are you going to go attempt to land a number one center? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that was the real purpose of his question. Um, yeah, yeah. The, it is interesting, though. It, it would have to come via trade. I mean, the one thing that I, had to, that I think we could both fairly say is that when you look at the free agent market, if you sign a free agent, it's not going to be to be a true number one center, right? I mean, there's, there's some help in free agency, but it would have to be via trade or via draft. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That that's kind of how I see it. Yep. Um, you talked about uh, uh, you, actually. Here's a good question from Jarrett. What qualities, in your mind, does it take to be a number one center in today's uh, NHL? As you as you mentioned before, it's not like the Vinny Danfoos days where you you have a puck carrier across the blue line, draw about three defenders at you, and then open it up for your wingers. It's a very different game today. Yeah, it is, I, and I I think. I think uh, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you want to have good size, good skating, and and a, a, a guy with good hockey sense, like a smart guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything, you know. And I, I do. I take you know Crosby. Crosby's so he's so gifted offensively and offensively, like everybody thinks of his offense, but when you look at his defensive play now too, he's really shaped his game to be a strong two-way game. Um, but then you do you look at Bergeron. Like just plays both ends of the ice so smart and just sound and like those are the types of guys that you really want. Like if you get a guy like that, you know, I mean, hey, look, Crosby's a, you know, uh, you know, he's a freak with what he can do with the puck and offensively and the numbers that he's put up. Those are generational players. You get a guy like Bergeron, you're 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 laughing. Yep. Uh, last question on centers. Uh, David Carrier asks, um, and you could answer this any way you want, uh, or maybe I'll just paraphrase after I ask the question. But he says, would you consider trading Dumbo or Brodeen as part of that package? The, the one thing that is very clear is that most likely if you're going to acquire a number one center, it's probably going to cost you a top defenseman, right? Uh, yeah. And I look, I'm not going to get into who I want to trade or who I would trade or anything like that. You just... Yeah, if you, if you want something, you got to give up something, you know. Um, you, I look at the Nashville-Columbus trade with Johansson and, and uh, Jones. You know, one for one, one team needed a defenseman, one team needed a center. That's the way those things are done, and they both gave up great players. Mm-hmm. Um, a question from uh, Strand about M. Strand, about Miko Koivu. Um, when, when will your, your – you know, you first meet with him and, and I mean, you know, I think we're all assuming that this is probably it for Miko. Would you want him to work for the organization in some capacity potentially, or what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I like Miko. I like Miko as a person. I think he's got a lot to offer. I think he's a good character guy. And, um, you know, you got to see what guys, uh, desires are like, what, what's, what's their goal. You know, you, you, get, you can only have people around that really want to do it and want to work. So it's and it's not for everybody. But um, yeah, I would I would assume Miko and I'll get together within a week. Um, if Miko is done here, what do you think as far as the captaincy? Would you maybe take some time? Before, I'm not as an talking about. I'm not okay. talking about that at all. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Clint um, asks. Uh, let's see. We got that. Um, Lots of questions about Donato Greenway. Let me uh, let me wrap this up, Billy, with you. Oh, here's a good question from Bob Norton. Um, what's the ETA on Boldy? Matt Johnson asked the same thing. Well, you know, if if this if this was a normal year, and obviously 2020 has been anything but, 
you know, we'd want Matt to go back to school for another year. He had a great second half, but, um, you know, we'd want him to go and have a good, good sophomore season and then, and then reassess after that. Right. So this not being a normal year. (laughs) Yeah, I still, I, I just, you know, you just don't want to jump the gun. And we don't, Hey, look, we don't even know when the American league starting. We don't know. Like this is, this is, we're, this is a pretty fluid situation. So we've just got to take it, you know, day by day, week by week. Do do you think that you'll have any other prospects signing Europe kind of similar to Lodney and and Hovanoff? I don't know. They're, they're, they're getting going. They're probably filling up pretty quick, but we'll see. I mean, I, I can't, I can't rule anything out. Billy, just a couple more questions for you. Uh, Eric asks, uh, how's your transition moving to Minnesota been for somebody that's lived in the in the East uh, for most of your life? Oh, it's been fantastic. That that part of it has been absolutely just great. Uh, my wife and kids, you know, even though we haven't they haven't been here full time yet, just because because of everything that's gone on with uh, you know with the pandemic and then the riots and things like. But we love it. We have been having the best time. And uh, last question for you. I don't know uh, what the context is, but uh, but Stephen Hot Dogs asks, uh, Spit and Chicklets pod claimed that Billy Guerin used to take bites out of other players' sandwiches during lunch. What's your side of the story? <laughs> uh, anything for a laugh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and that used to be, I mean, right? That was your... Uh, we've always heard about the Billy Garen locker room story as you were a locker room guy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, that's what they tell me. Hey, look, it's, it's a fun job. You're around, yeah. you're around good guys and you know, you, you push off growing up for a long time and, uh, yeah, I like to have fun. It was great. It was, yeah. I love practical joking and just messing around with guys. It was, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed going to the rink. Yeah. Did you pull any in the bubble? Maybe on Leopold or anything like that? No, 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 no. <laughs> my, you know, I, my, I just like ripping on guys, too. I, I still have a hard time not. I got to bite my tongue sometimes and yeah. show everybody how mature I am. But it's just fun. <laughs> like when a guy has a, you know, uh, uh, an outfit on that, uh, you know, I like, I'm, I'm kind of like the fashion police, too. Yeah. So if guys come on the, the bus with uh, an unusual suit or something that they think looks good, I'll, I'll let them know. Yeah. Yeah. You even do yeah. that with the media. So yeah, <laughs> they're media. You guys are easy targets. Yeah, I know. None of us are fashion, uh, fashionistas. <laughs> I could tell you that. Um, well, Hey Billy, I really appreciate you coming on. Sorry. We did have uh, technical difficulties, so uh, we're going to be cutting this one uh, short, but uh, Billy, I appreciate it. And again, to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source to, to uh, advertise on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash podcast ads. A lot of great podcasts this week as well. John Davidson, the president of the New York Rangers, joins Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebron on Two Man Advantage this week at The Athletic. And to check out our comment section for each uh, podcast episode at The Athletic app, make sure you to go to that section of the app. Don't forget to rate and subscribe straight from the source. On Apple, click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash straight from the source for all your Minnesota Wild coverage. Uh, Billy, really appreciate it. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me on, buddy. Always enjoy it. Thanks. See ya.